What a blessing it is to uh, see your church finished. Last time I was here was Brother Mike Newberger was being uh, ordained, and so I didn't get to see the finished product here in the building, and what a blessing it is to see you get a great job on it. I'd like you to take your Bibles this evening and turn with me to Acts chapter 10. You know, uh, the ministry of our church, I'm pastor at Buckley Road Baptist Church in Liverpool uh, near Syracuse. And our ministry there has been that of uh, missions and, and of church planting. And so it's, a, it's really on our hearts to help reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that this church has been the same way, that uh, missions has been the forefront an important thing. So the next uh, several nights, I really want to look at missions and I want to look at how we can do more. Uh, how that uh, in yielding our life to God and letting God be in control, that we can do greater things than ever before. and We can uh, do more than we think we could do by faith. You know, when we hear a sermon about missions or we attend a missions conference, we're really taking part in a business meeting that decides the fate of those that are lost in the world. You're going to cast a vote. We cast a vote in our prayers. We cast a vote with our dollars. We may cast a vote in perhaps sending our children or even ourselves into the mission field. But we need to vote the same way that a missionary would vote. You know, as if you're on the field, your, your vote would be, help me out, do something to encourage me more. Uh, do something in giving. Do something in prayers. We need the power of God and the strength of God uh, to get the work done. There are two phrases that should be in our heart when we consider missions. One phrase is everybody doing something. You know, I don't know where you are and you're giving and who gives and who doesn't give in missions. But I hope and pray that you will be talking to the Lord about doing something. If you don't do anything for world missions, that you would do something. And then if you are already giving... And you could be sacrificing your giving, and I imagine many of you are, that you need to pray and ask God to help you to know what more you should do and what more we should do in getting the gospel out and in giving ourselves and giving our time and giving our money and giving our efforts. Why should we give more? Well, because there's more to be done in the world. There are more people that need to be evangelized and reached with the gospel because uh, technology is growing and there are other improvements that have come along this year that make it so that we need to do more in, in using those things to get the gospel out around the world. You know, the world has over 7 billion people in it today. And by estimates, two-thirds of them are without Jesus Christ. So 7 billion people and two-thirds are without the Lord. And so we've got to find God's plan in getting the gospel out. We know one definitely is uh, starting churches. Uh, you folks have started churches. We've started churches. And that certainly uh, sends the gospel out more and, and makes it so that we are able to take on more missionaries and able to give more to send people uh, to take the gospel to even further parts of our world. There is also another reason for us to give is because there is more to us. In other words, I'm talking about our personal growth. It's been 52 weeks since the last missions conference. And if you were here the last missions conference, uh, you should have grown because you've heard 52 weeks of sermons. 
You've, heard, you've had 52 weeks to read God's word, to pray, to draw closer to him. And so we should be stronger. We should have more faith. We should have grown more in these last 52 weeks. Thus, we ought to be willing to give more because our heart has been burdened more to do the things of God. And we've been strengthened more. We've been fed spiritually. We've seen God do some great things in our lives. Our spiritual muscles have been exercised and we have bigger faith than we had before. And so the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we've heard God's word, we've read God's word, we've listened to the preaching of God's word, our faith has been increased. And so because my faith has been increased, I can now trust God even more than I did last year. So we need to be praying, God, what more would you have me to do? Or if we're not doing anything as of yet, maybe we don't even understand missions and faith promise missions. We need to be praying, God, help me to have an open heart to listen to you because I want the gospel to be spread. I want to see people saved. I want to see the gospel taken into all the world. What matters most to God? Well, Jesus told us five times in 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension to go into the entire world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, when somebody uh, in the Lord's situation from his resurrection to his ascension, there's only a short period of time. There's a 40 days. In those 40 days, he's only going to talk about the most important things. And the most important thing was that the gospel would be given to all the world. You know, and I'm so thankful that someone took the gospel to my mom and dad. My dad got saved when he was about 18, 19 years old. And my mother uh, followed that. I was born... Uh, just a, a year or so later. And then because of that, I was brought up in church. And I was brought up in church and I heard the word and, and I got saved. My sisters got saved. God called me into the ministry. A lot of people have been saved through the ministry of our church, through the work that I've been involved in. I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord that he, uh, he spoke to my parents and that someone uh, in fact, the, the guy worked for, in a factory at, at AC Spark Plugs in Flint, Michigan. He witnessed, witnessed to my dad at work, and he said one day to my dad, he said, Would you mind if I come over to your house and, and open a Bible and show you how you can have eternal life? And my dad said this to me. He said, I really didn't want the guy to come over, but I told him this. If I let you come over, will you never speak to me again about this? And the guy said, I won't. I will never talk to you about it again. If you'll let me come over. <laughs> then my dad got saved. So then he kept talking about it. But the thing I, I, I'm thinking here is there's a man that took literally get the gospel out. And because of what he did, you know, many people in my family are in the ministry and some are in the ministry or some are in admission field now. And God has done some great things through just that one man winning one person to the Lord. And then that family uh getting saved and, and winning their relatives and friends to the Lord and then their uh, uh, connection with other, other works and other churches. And it, it does the same thing in your family and in your lives. And we just need to be so thankful for what the Lord has done and what the Lord will continue to do as we are willing to follow his call. We need to take the vision that God has given to us and share it. Acts chapter 10 now. Let's start reading with verse number 9. On the morrow as they went on their journey. And drew nigh into the city. 
Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit in four corners, and let down to the earth. And so this is a story that, that God gave him a vision. He sent down these animals in this sheet, and many of them were unclean animals. And he said, take, eat, Peter. And Peter said, no, I can't eat that. He said, those things are unclean. I, I can't eat that, Lord. I, I, I won't do that. Verse 14. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So here's some men that uh, were sent by Cornelius. And God told Cornelius to send for Simon. And so these men went to his house just at the same time that he was having this vision. They knocked on the door and they asked for Peter. And they, they asked if he, had lo- if he lodged there. And he said, we need to talk to him. Uh, he needs to come down and see us. Now let's drop down to verse... Uh, Number 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion is a just man and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nations of the Jews was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. So Cornelius calls together all of his family and friends. He said, God told me to send for this man, and he's got something to tell us, and we need to hear it. And my family needs to hear it, and all my friends need to hear it. So he brought him there, not really knowing what he was going to say. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I asked, therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, thy alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I send unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? 
And then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. Now let's go down to verse number 45, or 44 and 45. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell, up, fell on the, all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now that you'll take this, this passage, Lord, help us to bring out the points there that uh, will help us, Lord, in growing in you and and seeing the need of getting the gospel around the world. Thank you for this time together, and these things I ask in your name. Amen. Here in Acts 10, there's this man, Cornelius. He is a captain over 600 men. He's a very successful military leader. Peter is on his way now to Caesarea. That's 70 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It's been eight years after Pentecost. Jesus tells the disciples five times to go throughout all the world and preach the gospel, but it's taken eight years for them to do it. They pretty much stayed in Jerusalem. They really didn't listen to what the Lord said. They did not take heed. There were a lot of excuses why they didn't go. And Peter was just as bad as all the rest of them. He he had only gone, the furthest that he had traveled was 35 miles. He went to Samaria. The church at Jerusalem was large at this point. Could have been close to 20,000 members. But they didn't have a burden to take the gospel any further than their own town. They only could see themselves. They could only see their need. And they had a great need. But they could only see their need. But the Lord said, there's more than you. There's a lot of other people. There are other cities. There are other towns. There are other nations that need the word. And my plan is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. My plan is that everybody might hear how to be saved. How that all can come to know the Lord as their personal savior. Now, there had been some great well-known members in that church. But after eight years, they're only reaching their hometown. Sounds like a lot of churches today that just have no vision. No vision for reaching the world. They have a vision for their town, but they don't go any further. And that's not fulfilling the Great Commission. The Great Commission is Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. We're to take the gospel everywhere all at the same time. And we're to do it with the faith that God's given to us. And we do that through giving. We do that through sending missionaries out, supporting them and sending them out. We do that through church planting. We're to take the gospel into all the world. Now they finally get going. Uh, Some things have happened. Persecution has come. People are being kind of forced out of the church. And, you know, they're, they're kind of upset. Boy, this persecution is terrible. God, why are you allowing this happen? Well, because you wouldn't go. And so I'm going to have to do something to get you out of that that nice, cushy church you're in and take the gospel to other places and and get it out there so that others might be saved. And so this begins to happen and God begins to work in Peter's life. And, you know, we're told in Acts 1, 8, but you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto other most parts of the earth. 
So the Lord said, I'm going to give you the power and I'm going to give you the ability to take the gospel out. It's not going to be you're going to go out and and you're not going to be able to do it. If you'll just do what I say, I'll give you the ability to do it. And I very strongly believe that God doesn't give any more missions money to a church that doesn't prove that they're going to use it for God's glory. If I'm not willing to take that step out and go, then God's not going to give me any more so that I can do the job because I'm not doing it. And if I'm willing to step out, then God's going to give me what I need. He's going to give you the power to do the work. He's going to give this church the power and the ability to support more missionaries, to help start more churches, to do the work of God, if we're willing to take that step. But we've got to be willing to take the step. We've got to step out. We can't let... Uh, excuses fill us. We just have to go. In chapter 7 of Acts, they're winning people to Christ in Jerusalem, and they build the church there. In chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. In chapter 9 is when Paul gets saved, and his name is going to be changed from Saul to Paul, and he's going to be one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. Now it brings us to chapter 10, the story we just read. They've not gone far But thank God they're on the move now. They're beginning to do something. The key point in this passage is verse number 24. Let's look at verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinmen and near friends. Peter really didn't know why he was going there. He just knew that, He'd been sent for and that God was in it because God said go. He didn't know what he was going to face. He just knew this man's a Gentile and boy, we don't really have much dealings with Gentiles. So he's a little nervous about the whole thing. But he goes. But verse 24, this Cornelius, an unsaved man, knew that Peter had something for him. And so he gathered people together. He knew it was more than just for him. That it was for others. So he brought his family and his friends together. And he said, there's a man who's going to talk to us. He's going to tell us what God wants us to hear. Cornelius was waiting for Peter. And half of the world is now waiting for us. And so the point I see here is Cornelius had to wait for Peter to make up his mind to come. If Peter would have decided not to come, the message wouldn't have been taken to Cornelius. So Cornelius is waiting. Half of the world is waiting today for us to make up our minds to decide whether we're going to trust God, whether we're going to follow through in getting the gospel out. How long does the world have to wait? How long do the lost have to wait for us to take the gospel to them? You know, as you're out witnessing, there are some people who don't want it. They don't want to hear it. They're angry that you even brought it to them. But there are other people out there that are seeking that want to hear it, but they don't fall into your lap. We've got to go seek them. We need to be praying every day, God, lead me to someone that I can witness to today. Lead me to somebody who wants to hear the word. Lead me to somebody that's been burdened, that needs the gospel. What finally made Peter start taking the gospel to the regions beyond? Well, first of all, He stopped being controlled by insignificant things. Peter sees a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven filled with all kinds of unclean animals. 
And God was trying to get him out of Jerusalem to reach people of other cultures for Christ. And he was, it was ingrained in him not to get involved with other cultures, not to be out with other people. And so the Lord had to do something special for Peter to let him know it's all right. I want you to do this. I want you to go. So he sends down that sheet. Peter, he sees it. He goes, I can't eat that. See, he's worried about the dietary laws. He was letting a trivial thing control his life. He was letting this stop him from doing the will of God. The Lord already said, go into all the world. And Peter's saying, I can't. I can't eat the food. I can't be around those people. You know, they're different than me. Uh, the Lord doesn't want me to be with them. At least that's what he's thinking. But that's not the case. The Lord's trying to reveal to him that that's not how it ought to be. Is there something that's really unimportant? Something really unimportant in your life that's keeping you out of the will of God? Something that really doesn't matter, but you're allowing it to stop you from taking the message? You're allowing it to stop you from being active in church? Maybe you're allowing it to stop you from giving. And something that really isn't important. You're letting a trivial thing stop you from serving God. And, you know, most things that stop people from serving God are little things, unimportant things. Somebody gets upset and leaves the church. Why Why'd you leave the church? Well, they didn't vote on the carpet. They just put in what they wanted. They didn't let me have a say. Well, that's pretty trivial. Uh, well, you know, they, they changed a meeting time on me. Well, they didn't ask me to do this. They, did, they forgot my birthday. Somebody didn't shake my hand. And, you know, people leave over trivial things. I'm thinking, wow, we're talking about reaching people for Christ. We're talking about bringing souls to the Lord. We're talking about helping a church to be vibrant, helping a church to be uh, financially strong. And I'm just going to walk out over something trivial, something that's not important at all. And Peter's saying, I can't go. I can't go to that, that Gentile. I mean, he's a Gentile. We're not to be witnessing to Gentiles. Gentiles can't get saved. I mean, Peter was being being brainwashed, taught that that uh, Gentiles were dogs. They didn't have a soul. They didn't have ability to be saved. They couldn't get saved. Do you know that a Jewish woman could not help a Gentile woman have a baby? If she did, all she was doing is bringing another pesky Gentile in the world to persecute him. So she didn't even want to help out in any way. So, boy, there was a lot of prejudice going on. And Peter, a very godly man, a disciple, was wrapped up in some of this stuff. And he had to get past it. And he did. He listened to God. And he was able to get past it. And he was able to take the gospel out. You know, there are a lot of prejudiced people in our world today. Sad to say, there are some, very, there are some people who consider themselves very religious that are prejudiced. They're not going to take the gospel out. They're not going to go to everybody. They're just going to go to who they want to go to. And God's not going to bless that. God won't bless a church that has that spirit or attitude. You know, we're, we're all made of the same. We really all come from the same mud, you know. We're not any better than anybody else. We're all the same. We're all children of God that get saved. And, and God created man. And so we are to... Be busy in trying to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second reason is he uh, 
is he got going. The, re- the second reason he got going to take the gospel out is that he got the lordship issue straightened up in his life. He began to realize how important the Lord really was and the Lord had complete control and whatever the Lord said he was to do. When Peter was given instruction in verse 13, look at verse 13. The first thing he says is no. And there came a voice to him, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Well, those two words don't go together. Not in Lord. You don't tell the Lord no. The Lord said, kill and eat. And he said, no, uh-uh, not going to do it. Can't do that. So by the time he's done here, he gets this all settled. I can't tell the Lord no. Whatever the Lord wants, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. I'm to do it. I'm to do what the Lord wants. So we need to get the Lordship issue settled in our life. If the Lord says go, I go. Lord says give, I give. Lord says serve, I serve. No matter what I feel about it, I have to do what the Lord wants me to do. He is the Lord. He's the master of my life. He's the controller of my life. I yield to Him. I do His will. So he ended up participating because he knew who the Lord was in his life. He was the master of his life. During Paul's conversion in Acts 9, he asked two questions in a specific order. He said, Who art thou, Lord? And when he found out who the Lord was, he said, Lord, what what wilt thou have me to do? Paul got it settled right away. I mean, he said, Who are you? He said, I'm the Lord. And he, he humbled himself before him and said, What do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do. I'll do. And that's how we ought to be in our life. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Well, this is what I want you to do. Take the gospel all the world. I know you're not going to be able to get on a plane and go to every country in the world to take the gospel. But I want you to be a part of a church that has a vision and burden to get the gospel out. Who will bring in missionaries and sponsor those missionaries to send them so the gospel can be taken. I want you to be a part of a church who has no problem Helping others start churches. Sending men out of their church to start other churches. Giving up people out of their church to go start other churches. Because they want the gospel to be spread into all the world. I want you to be a part of that. Our assignment is pretty clear. And there shouldn't be any hesitation. That after we've accepted Christ as Savior. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're to take the gospel of Jesus Christ out. There should be no hesitation found. We should just do what the Lord's asked us to do. Over in Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse number five. So in order to do the will of the Lord in life, we need to first yield to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he'll lead us to what he wants us to do. In Second Corinthians eight, verse five, it says this. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and then to us by the will of the Lord. The churches of Macedonia, they were poor, in great poverty, didn't have much. Things were difficult, very tight. They were being persecuted. But when Paul come around and said, I'd like you to be involved in this special missions offering, what we call the faith promise offering, they said, all right, we will. And he said, but they didn't do it like I thought they would do it. They didn't just give. They first gave of themselves. 
And then when they gave of themselves, they were able to give beyond their power and their ability. And so what the Lord wants out of all of us is to give ourself. That's what missions is all about, giving yourself. Are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to let God use you to bring people to Christ? Are you willing to let God use you in finances, in, in uh, supporting so that missionaries can go? Are you willing to let God use you in times of prayer to pray for the missionaries, to read their letters, to be encouraged by them, to encourage them? Are we willing? Are we first willing to give ourselves? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. See, we are to be willing to give of ourselves. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to him. And so we are to give ourselves to him. And if, as we do that, God will work through us. God will do some great things in us. Our church can do much more than we could ever imagine as we all begin to give ourselves to God and let God work through us. The end of the missions year comes and you won't even know how in the world did I give that much money. Well, you didn't. God did. He just used you because you were willing of yourself. You, are, you opened yourself up to God and he did something about it. The third thing I see is Peter, he got going with the, once he settled the, the, the issue on race. And I talked about that a little bit already. But once he got that settled, see, he had seen Gentiles as no different than beasts and animals. And so he didn't see a reason to go to them. He didn't see a reason to take the gospel to them. He didn't love the Gentiles. He didn't have a love for them, so he didn't care. You know, the Lord, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, who the Lord loves, we ought to love. In fact, the Lord tells us to love our enemy. We're to have a great love for people. We're to take the gospel out to a lost and dying world. So, Peter had to get through that. And once he got through that, he could do something special for God. He was able to do great things. Look at verse number 43 of chapter 10 of Acts. Verse 43, it says this. To him gave all the prophets witnesses through his name. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. He said, if the message, is, the message is to be taken, and it's to be taken to everybody, and through his name, those who believe in him will receive the forgiveness of sin. No matter who they are, if the message is taken, and they receive that message, they can be saved. The man at the headwaters of the Amazon can receive remission of sins just as easily as the man that works on Wall Street. In fact, he'll probably receive it easier than the guy on Wall Street. See, the gospel's for everybody. It's not just a select few. It's for the world. We're to take the gospel to the entire world. Christ died for all. The church in Jerusalem finally got past that issue and eventually endorsed winning the Gentiles to Christ. It took them a while. In fact, Peter was a little bit ahead of them. It took them a while, but finally they endorsed the fact that Gentiles could be saved and that the message was to be taken to the Gentiles. We need to get past whatever might be keeping us from looking at other cultures the same way that we look at our own. If we become prejudiced toward people, we're not going to be doing what God wants us to do. 
Be careful about thinking that we're any better than anyone else. We're all sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. The fourth reason Peter went is that he needed to go because what they were doing wasn't working. Peter needed to go because what Cornelius and those people were doing wasn't working. So Acts 10.2, it tells us that Cornelius was a good man. It said he feared God. He gave much money away. He prayed to God always. Wow. He's doing better than a lot of Christians. This guy, he's a good man. He fears God. He gives. He's giving all kinds of money to people. And he's praying. He's always praying. But he was lost. He he hadn't been saved. He didn't know about Jesus. Someone had to take the message to him. That's why God sends Peter. So all these things he did could not save him. All the works that we do cannot save us. All the goodness in our life cannot save us. We can be the most religious person that walks the face of the earth, and that will not save us. And so because what Cornelius was doing wasn't working, the Lord sent someone to him. And so Peter takes the message. He tells him how to get saved. Look at verse number 6 of chapter 10. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. God tells Cornelius, this man, Simon Peter, he'll come to you and tell you what you need to do. That's our job. We are to tell people what they need to do as far as salvation. It's up to us. The lost people don't know. They think, I mean, if you talk to a lost person, you say, how do you think you'll get to heaven? Well, you've got to be a good person. You know, you've got to treat people right. You should be religious. Uh, you should be willing to give to help in people's needs. Basically, what Cornelius was doing. They need someone to take the gospel to them and show them the only way to salvation. That is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It's not through goodness and works, but through Christ and Christ alone. That's our job, to take that gospel out. And if I can't get to a certain place, I need to support someone who can. I need to take the gospel to all the world. Do all I can. The sun should never set on the ministry of this church. There should always, as we support people, missionaries, there should always be the gospel being given out 24-7. Just constantly going out every day, reaching people. So he, really, he was a very religious man, but he needed more than that. Wherever you go in the world, you're going to find religion. Wherever you are at, there will be religion, but it's not enough. Anthropologists tell us that they've never found a tribe of people, no matter how primitive they are, that doesn't have some type of an altar system, some type of a system in which they, they worship That's partly because they know that there is someone out there bigger than them. Someone out there that could hurt them. An idolater has been known to give 75% of his salary to pay off the wrath of his gods. I remember a missionary telling me this story years ago. That in the Philippine Islands, the jungles of Kalinga and the valley of of, uh, Cabanyan, uh, one of the most heathenistic places in the world... 
they had a custom that once a month they were to offer a sacrifice to the spirits. They called these spirits Kanyao. The witch doctor would come to a pagan family and he'd say that he'd been talking to the Anatos or the spirits and they had told him that they're cold and that they need food and they, they need uh, blankets and clothing. And so it is now your time to have the Kanyao. If you don't have the Kanyao, they're going to suffer. The spirits will suffer forever and they'll cause you to suffer So they instruct them to kill so many water buffalo, and a water buffalo would be a year's wage for these people, and many cows and pigs, and sacks of rice, and wine, and gin, and whiskey. You lay the whole thing out, and there'll be a celebration in the community, and that'll be a sacrifice to your gods. That's going to cost them thousands of dollars that they don't have. So how are they going to get it? Well, they're going to, they're going to mortgage what they have. They're going to mortgage their homes. They're going, to, they're going to sell the rice land. They're going to go in hock. Their children are not going to get an education because in those countries they paid for elementary and high school education. They're not going to be able to go to college. But, you know, nothing comes in place of their God. And they don't complain about it. They don't get angry over it. They just do it. Why? Because they want to appease their gods. They sacrifice out of fear. If a heathen person can do that, and they do it just to appease the anger so that they don't offend their god, why aren't we concerned enough to do what the Lord's asked us to do, to take the gospel into all the world. And then he says, I'll supply your need. I'll give you what you need to take the gospel out. We just need to have a burden. And we need to understand that the Lord is our God, that he is the master of our life. And that if we do what he asks us to do, we'll receive great blessing. And we'll receive strength. And our church will, will be able to reach many people. God comes to people like us in churches all across America. And he asks us to go and tell people how they can be saved. How they can know the Lord as their personal Savior. How they can be 100% sure that if they would die, they would go to heaven. There are people out there that live day after day in fear and superstition. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They don't know where they'll spend eternity. And here we, we know. I mean, we're so sure. I have never had a sleepless night wondering whether I'm going to go to heaven after I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I know where I'm going to go when I die. If this world falls apart, I know where I'm going to be. I'm sure of that. And I need to share that with others. Now, they might not readily believe, but if they watch my life, and they watch the way that, that I trust God. That ought to help convince them that what I'm saying is not just a fly-by-night thing. That it's real. And then I begin to give the Word of God to people. And they come to know the Lord as their Savior. Our goal needs to be 
cutting down the time that it takes our missionaries to get to the mission field. You know, a lot of guys, it's taken them four and five years to raise the support they need to get to the mission field. And it's like, we can do better than that. We can get them to the field much quicker if we just are burdened. Half the world does not know the gospel. They're worshiping all kinds of animals, from cows to rats. They throw babies into rivers. They burn their widows of recently deceased men. And we have words whereby they can be saved. They need to get that message to them. They, they need to have hope. And you say, yeah, but they're, they're so ingrained in their belief. But when you take the gospel, the Lord breaks down those barriers. The Lord changes things. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As the message is taken in love, people are going to change. People are going to come to know Christ as Savior. They, they really can't believe that what they're doing is good. We take the message to them. But they're going to have to wait. They're going to have to wait till someone goes and brings them the light. How long can they wait? How much more time do people have? I mean, every moment people are dying. How much more time is there? We need to do all we can to get the gospel out. We need to put emphasis on the half that have never heard. Take the gospel unto a dying world. Ask God this week, Lord, give me a burden. Give me a burden that that won't just be a burden that stays in my heart, but a burden that will come out in action. That I'll do something about it. That I'll do something about getting the gospel out. I'll become a better witness. I'll purposely seek to bring people to the Lord. I will pray for our missionaries. And I'll pray that God will help me to to be a, a better witness. I will give. I will pray that God will give me the money, the resources, so that I might give. And I might give more to this church for world missions. So the gospel can be taken even further than it is now. I mean, the, the thing about giving through your church, you have a, a, a say in the missionaries you're going to take on. You get to know those missionaries. Those missionaries get to come to your church. You get letters from those missionaries. You get to be a part of what's going on. You get to pray for them. You get to see their daily needs. You can be a part of getting the gospel to all parts of the world. We all, the whole church needs to be a part of this. Not just some. It's not just for wealthy people. It's not just for those who have extra money. The Lord says He'll make it possible that we all can give. And that's what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow night. How we all can give. And how we can do more than what we're doing. And how we can do like the the Church of Macedonia. Give beyond our means. By putting our trust in the things of God. And in, in asking Him to let us partner with Him in getting the gospel into all the world. So here's Peter. He's comfortable. He has a vision. He's, he's hungry. He's getting ready to eat. He falls asleep. The Lord gives him a vision. The vision says, take this and eat. He goes, I can't do it. I've never done that. I've never eaten it. It breaks all dietary laws. breaks everything I've ever been taught. The Lord said, I told you to eat it. And so he did. And then he followed God's command. And he went and he shared the gospel with a man that he was kind of afraid to share it with. 
But then look to what the Lord did. The Lord actually used Peter to open the gospel to the whole Gentile world. And look at today. All the Gentiles have come to know the Lord. The Lord's working through the Gentile nations and getting the gospel throughout all the world. Peter obeyed the Lord. And great things happened. He was scared, but he trusted God. And maybe in our witnessing, we're a little scared. Trust God. Maybe in our giving, we're just a little nervous about this. Things are tight. Trust God. Well, I'm not sure. Just trust the Lord. Let the Lord be in control. Don't say no to God. Say, all right, Lord. Like Paul. Well, what wilt thou have me to do? You're Lord. What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want. Because I know you'll take care. You'll supply the need. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, as we've looked at this passage, God, I pray that it would make sense to us that we would draw near to you and we'd allow you to be in control of our life, Lord. And that we'd consider how much we could do through you. And Lord, we know that missions is all about you working in us. That, Lord, you want to use us to take the gospel to all the world. I pray, God, that you'll be with this church, be with all these people tonight and each night, that you'll speak to their hearts, Lord, and help them do more than ever before. Lord, we're getting closer and closer all the time to your return. God, help us do all we can to get the gospel out. Speak to our hearts, speak to our needs. Lord, I don't know if there's someone here tonight that may not know you as Savior. I pray, God, that they'd understand that doesn't matter how good they are, how hard they work, that's not going to get them to heaven. That it's only you that can do that. Lord, touch their heart, save their soul. God, just bless in this church's missions, missions giving, and each individual make, make decisions this week, Lord, to do what you have them to do. Lord, we give you praise and thanks. In your name I pray and ask these things. Amen. Pastor, if you'll come and lead.